Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. Not every conversation will change your life, but really any conversation can. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here in Santa Monica, California. We had uh, we had one sister call in sick today, but Leon Dolan is on the line from Pasadena, California. How are you, Leon? I'm here, Liz. I'm here in solidarity with Julie, who's home with a head cold. And, you know, uh, here at Satellite Sisters, our HR department, you know, some companies have unlimited paid time off for certain certain people above a certain job level. Here at Satellite Sisters, we have limited unpaid time off. (laughs) Our our HR department really cracks down when you can't be here. So Julie uh, begged us to take – she really felt bad. You know, Julie, she feels bad almost every day of her life, just about something. Yeah. But she felt Mm -hmm. physically bad. We're like, just take the day off, Jill. You have a job. Giant head cold. Yeah. Go ahead, take the day off. So she's... we would we would dock her pay if we had any. But yeah, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not why we're here. We're here for the love. We're here for the love of the conversation, right? Yes, we are, Liz. It's exactly right. <laughs> um, but we do. Even just between you and I, I think we put together quite a little show today. You're going to take us on a tour of the internet, which I think is going to be exciting. You know, sometimes the internet has a bad week, but not last week. I mean, it had it all. It had laughs. It had heartbreak. It had just good, clean fun at someone else's expense. And so we're going to we're going to take a tour of the internet, Liz. All right. Well, um, at the Bitter Business Bureau, there are quite a few people that are getting quite bitter about Marissa Mayer's severance package at Yahoo. Yeah. And I just have a few things to say about that. Oh, good. I, for one... Not bitter about that. Uh, so, you know, um, and it's also coming up at the end of the week, World Sleep Day. Have you, do you have a plan for your day? No, Liz, I'm ex- I didn't even know it was World okay. Sleep Day. So I'll yeah. pencil that in. This is my new issue, sleep. <laughs> if it's good enough for Ariana Huffington, it's good enough for me, Leanne. Okay. All right. And at daylight savings time, it's timely. It's timely that World yes. Sleep Day should be in response to that. I, I'm glad there is such a thing, Liz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, you know, we just want to remind you about our Santa Monica event on April 22nd. More details on that at the very end of the show. So bring me the internet, Leon. Like, oh, first, I, though, we wanted to acknowledge Storm Stella on the East Coast, oh, God, right? Yeah. We did. We oh, did. I didn't even realize the storm had a name. Apparently, um, Jim Cantori of the Weather Channel just took it upon himself to name name it. Now that that is uh, that maybe that was from Stephen Colbert last night. So I don't know okay. if that's true, but I don't <laughs> think that I don't think the government named it. I think uh, the Weather Channel named it Stella. And I was talking to a friend of mine in New York yesterday whose daughter and mother are both named Stella, and they. <laughs> So that made oh. me laugh. But uh, yeah, apparently it's not as bad as they said it was. And people are mad now. You know, that, yeah. that's the way people get I know that's days. what happens. Yeah. But the I noticed on Facebook yesterday, among many other people, Professor Mary had a post like, OK, you people on the West Coast, we don't want to see any more of your pictures of how beautiful it is. Just cut it out. This It's killing us here. Right. Uh, so, OK, Mary, we'll we'll hold back. 
But then I saw another note today, a friend of mine who works for CBS Sports and is covering, obviously, the Final Four is what's going on in the world uh, this week, was supposed to fly to Buffalo today. And, you know, as you can guess, every flight in and out of Buffalo has been canceled. Right. So I think somehow she managed to get herself on board the Villanova charter plane. Uh, but I don't know how the spectators are going to get to Buffalo. So good luck if you're headed to, you know, the the Buffalo games for the Final Four. Good luck. All right, Liz, but the Internet this week, okay, we had the best of it. We had laughs. We had cries. We had, you know, snarkiness and all, all in good fun. Can we just talk? I know every show has done the BBC professor video, uh, but I, <laughs> I feel the best, like, the best. You can't talk about it enough. I love every time I look at it. Talk about it enough. And I, it was a joy. My husband had not seen it. And I finally showed it to him last night. And then Trevor Noah broke it down on The Daily Show. But my husband, who is immune to the charms of YouTube videos, even he was just howling because everything about it is just perfection. And if you have worked at home, if you have mm-hmm. worked at home with children, if you've been near children, or you've just had some had to be like on a weird Skype or conference call and been busted, mm-hmm. like I think mm-hmm. it was relatable on every every level. Mm-hmm. When I'm talking about the BBC professor, he was on, or he was a professor. He was on the BBC t- talking about South Korea, and his family one by one busts into the room. And I do mean busts. Like the three-year-old toddler comes in shaking and jiving. And then like this baby in a... (laughs) Comes wheeling in. Wheeling in. Like from outer space. Like where (laughs) was that baby? And then his wife, who clearly has just lost control for a second. You know, she was probably like unloading the dishwasher or hanging up a phone call. One second is all it took. And she comes in like realizes he's taping with the BBC and then dives under the couch. But my favorite part of the video was just when he, he does the hand face plant to the, t- <laughs> to the I know I've noticed that some people objected to that. Oh. I, I didn't have a problem with that. I see what he's trying to do. It's more just get out of the frame than anything else. Don't don't take one jive step closer. And the best is he doesn't even look. He's like still trying to talk about South Korea. <laughs> and he gives his kid the straight arm. I mean, that is just a moment of joy that the whole world shared in. And I that doesn't happen enough these days. But it was just so brilliant. It was just fantastic. Yeah, and I just want to say to that three-year-old girl, stay noisy, girl, because the way she marches into that room, she's got a lot going on. She's feeling good about herself. I hope that confidence stays with her her whole life. Exactly. She's got it going on. Exactly. Oh, that baby. Oh, it's just fantastic. Uh, All right, second. And the humiliation of the mother when she hits the deck, like, oh, my God, and she's she's trying to, like, do her thing and then reach back in and shut the door. That would, you know. I know. You can you can understand that her panic when she realized what was actually happening. I know. I mean, I think at the time, sometimes I'm doing the show and like my husband will come up and wander around and I, 
you know, I, I send him some trying to speak and like send him looks with my eyebrows. Like, don't talk to me. I'm on the air. A lot of times I won't be speaking. So people won't know you're on the air and yeah. you know, the kids will come up and start asking questions. And I feel like I've used that stiff arm, uh, both literally <laughs> and figuratively. That was just a gem of a moment, a gem of a moment. Thank you, internet. Thank you, internet. All right. Second, second best to the internet this week. Okay, Kellyanne Conway, uh, she made a comment about um, uh, the uh, microwaves spying on us, that microwaves are now cameras. Okay, Microwave ovens, not the whole category of microwaves, microwave ovens. Microwave ovens can can be cameras and take photos. Okay, (laughs) so that, again, that comment came from the same place that that baby in the the crawler did, just outer space. Like, there's no explanation for that. So what I loved was the response from people on the internet with all the memes of, like, microwaves with the president inside, President Obama inside with the camera, or the controls (laughs) of the microwave that said, like, popcorn, beverage, espionage. I know that is a good use of the internet. It is, you are Liz, right. It is because that was <laughs> such a wackadoodle comment. There's no, there's no non-cynical response to that. So, well done, microwave. Uh, keep coming with the microwave jokes. I'm, I'm going to enjoy those for years to come. Thank you very much. And then finally, a couple weeks ago, in the New York Times Modern Love section, uh, a piece went viral by Amy Krause Rosenthal. It was a beautiful piece about how she was dying and she wanted to sort of sell her. She wanted to let people know that her husband was an awesome guy and you may want to marry my husband, which was the title of the piece. And I don't know if you read it, Liz, but mm. almost 5 million people read it. Uh, it's one of their most read modern loves. It's just a beautiful gesture. She's 51 years old. She's a writer and a filmmaker and a commentator on NPR. And she just wrote this lovely piece about how her husband's a great guy and she fell in love with him in a day and you know she wishes she had more time but she doesn't so you know he's available and i mean you you could not read it with a dry eye and uh she mentioned in the piece that she probably only had days to live and liz she died yesterday so her so sad so sad 51 which um Having just turned 52 and and being a writer myself, it really hit me hard reading her uh, obituary in the New York Times, which was lovely. And um, she became a children's book author after nine years. She worked at an ad agency for nine years, and she was taking some maternity time off. She had two toddlers and a baby. And she was (laughs) – I appreciated this part of the – of the obituary very much. She was sitting in one of those playrooms at McDonald's. Now, Liz, you don't have kids, so you probably no, never... I've never been in one of those. No. I've, I have driven by them, though. No. Liz, there, there's where hope goes to die. Liz, those <laughs> playrooms at McDonald's. You know, you're sitting there. I spent one whole summer there, the summer I was pregnant with Colin, because we didn't have air conditioning in our house, and I was so sick for the entire summer. And I would just take Liz, take Brooks to McDonald's every day for hours, just because it was air conditioned, even uh-huh. even though it's a germ pit. So uh, Amy wrote in one of her memoirs that she was sitting at McDonald's and she had a Mick Epiphany. 
<laughs> I, I feel like I hope that phrase, amongst many other things she's written, I hope that lives on. I had That is so funny. I'm sure other parents sitting at McDonald's have had Mick epiphanies too, and uh, that she really wanted to be a writer. So she quit her job in advertising, and she worked and worked and worked, and she published her first children's book, Little P, which I, I remember was a beautiful book. And she's gone on to publish like 28 kids' books and memoirs. And, you know, that's sort of the best of the internet, really. It was heartbreaking to read her story and heartbreaking and both uplifting and inspiring to read her um, her obituary. So we'll post all of that at SatelliteSisters.com, the good and the bad and the beautiful. So it's very sad news, very sad news. Yeah, it was. Yep. But you're right that sometimes the Internet can take a beautiful piece of writing like that or just a – a thoughtful commentary about life and get that out to a very wide group. And that's, that's a very positive thing. It is 5 million people. I mean, that's a, that's the subscriptions to the New York times are not that large. And I saw it on everyone's Facebook page last week, this piece of writing. And, and so I have sad news, but you're right. It is the beauty of, of, you know, what the internet can do. On the flip side, um, the internet outrage machine does get stoked, uh, you know, daily by by one thing or another. And one of the things that caught my eyes yesterday uh, is the the outrage about uh, Marissa Mayer's severance package from Yahoo. Now, as you may know, um, Yahoo has picked a new CEO replacing Marissa Mayer because it's being acquired by Verizon. So Verizon has someone new coming in. Marissa is going. And um, things have not gone that well for Marissa at uh, Yahoo. Things have generally not gone well for Yahoo for a long time. Right. She was brought in to kind of turn it around and she couldn't quite turn it around. Yeah. The turnaround didn't didn't really materialize. But we've always said that, you know, you know, we're getting to some kind of equity in the working world when women can do just as miserable a job as men and get overpaid just as much as men. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's really a sign when like mediocre performances are equally recognized, you know, on the on the money side. So uh, but there are a couple of interesting things about uh, Marissa's payout. She's getting a twenty three million dollar severance package, Leanne. So nothing to sneeze at because that's on top of the sixty nine million dollars worth of unexercised stock options that she got, plus the ninety seven million dollars of Yahoo stock that she already owns. So basically, her net worth has gone up about $180 million hmm. during her stint at uh, Yahoo. I think that's the deal we gave Monica and Sheila, isn't it? Isn't that? <laughs> that's that why they're never coming back. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's why they're never coming back. So, you know, I know that seems like a lot of money, and, and obviously it is. But just for a little bit of perspective, you know, it's sad that this is sort of the way things happen all the time, but they do. Like, Jack Welch, his uh, severance package was $417 million. Uh, Lee Raymond, when he left ExxonMobil, $321 million. Um, Bob Nardelli, he left Home Depot, $223 million. So, you know... Poor little Marissa here. She only got $20 million. Uh, I think, so, though, Liz, you've always said when we talk about executive pay, that's so out of whack with the pay for everybody else in the company. I believe you have always said nobody is worth that amount of money. It's insane. Like, the whole thing is insane. Right. I, I agree. 
It's not I, a question of is she worth fifteen million or twenty million or one hundred and eighty million. Like yeah. nobody is worth that. So yeah. at that point, it just it becomes a, it's such a rarefied stratosphere that she's in. I'm not. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's not. I'm not even sure it's worth the outrage. But you're right. At least she's you know she's taking one for the team, women. So <laughs> no, she's failing up. This yeah. is what we're hoping for. We want to fail up into this stratosphere of overpayment. I'm totally uh, for that. But here's one interesting detail, outrage machine, if you want to uh, actually get some perspective. So she's leaving. Verizon has some new guy coming in. Um, new guy making a lot more than Marissa Mayer. Oh, really? So, Yes. Yeah. So new guy, base salary, $2 million. Marissa's base was $1 million. New guy, he's going to get $4 million with his bonus and everything. So that's 25% more than she got. I mean, I can take down everything in the package. So even though she failed up spectacularly, the new guy coming in who, okay, I'm just going to say here, I, I predict failure for Thomas McInerney. Well, he gets an even sweeter deal. I guess the rationale is that the company is even more of a mess. Uh, that was she took over. So anyway, good news. She got this sweet payout. Bad news. The guy who replaces her is already making more money than she did. So what do you say about that? I do not know. Except maybe it's not. Maybe outrage is not what we need here. Maybe we just need a long, hard look at how completely out of control these CEO uh, pay packages are. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 part of my position, Leanne, is your pay should not outlive you. I know that seems, I know that seems simple, but like if you're getting paid so much that several generations in your family are going to be able to live off that, that just seems wrong to me. Like every generation should have to go earn their own money. That's my policy. Liz, I never so really thought about it like that. You know what? Hold on. We're going to take a break. I got to get the dog. I'm so sorry. Okay. One right. sec. Just uh, one sec. I'll cut this out. Okay, picking back up on that thought. Sorry, we have a workman at the house, people, and uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> I I tried several options. She's not oh, locking. Stay noisy, Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, Liz, about, you know, pay not outliving you. I never thought about that. That's just pay. That's not, you yeah. haven't made anything, you know? I know. Now, I know the argument is that you have increased the value of your company and all of that flows to your shareholders. And so, like, I get that. But still, yeah, I don't think your grandchildren should be living off the job you're doing now. It's just like, Hold on a sec. that's sorry. how I figured it out in my own head. Anyway, so for those of you at that end of the, the pay scale, I mean, good on you, I guess. But, Leanne, I understand you have some people that you admire at the other end of the pay scale. Well, you know, Liz, striking has been kind of popular lately or unpopular. <laughs> uh, but there's a group of people striking in Paris, and I just want to give them credit. Because okay. I saw this headline, and it literally made me laugh out loud because it's so French. Here you go. Louvre attendants strike after Vermeer bottleneck. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whew, okay. Nobody likes a Vermeer bottleneck, Liz. Nobody. Okay. These are dozens of mute museum attendants at the Louvre. They went on strike this week because they said the museum really handled the huge crowds at a temporary ex exhibit very poorly. And they just did not want any part of this. They did not like the way the crowds are being handled. 
They didn't like what they were being asked to do, so they're going on strike. There are 34 Vermeers there. It was drawing about 9,500 people the first week after it opened, more than double the museum's expectations. So some of the visitors had to wait for hours to see the paintings. So mm-hmm. you can see these, you know, you've seen museum attendants, right? They're not sure. Navy SEALs. I mean, <laughs> they're well, just standing there doing nothing. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. It's, it's not that physically demanding, except they just have to stand there all day. Right. So imagine if you had thousands of angry Vermeer fans getting all over you because the museum was poorly exhibited. You know, so instead of just showing up and doing your job, you're just going on strike. And I I just admire that. And this this is what I said. Now, they're union workers. So the secretary general of the museum workers union said this. It has been a big mess. The signage wasn't good. The planning wasn't good. (laughs) I mean, if I could go out on strike every time there was not good signage, how great would that be? Because that's most of life, not good signage (laughs) and not good planning and a big mess. I just try that at any other workplace but a French museum. You know, the signage (laughs) was not good. I could. (laughs) Well, it's the Louvre. I mean, I'm I'm glad that they care about things like signage. Yeah. That makes me happy. Yeah. No, strongly, Liz. So strongly they're striking. So uh, (laughs) the good news for the attendants who care deeply about signage and crowd control is that the attendance has dropped to a manageable $4,000 people per week this week. So hopefully it will be better. And if you're off to Paris to see the Vermeers, just be prepared. The signage is not good. We're just warning you. (laughs) And it's probably in French. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. This time we're going to take a break for our sponsor, Lola, and we'll be back after this. Hi, Satellite Sisterhood. It's Leanne. And I want... We're the Satellite Sisters. Liz and Leanne here today. Julie is sick. She's off, hopefully getting huggy. You know, Liz, it's a snowstorm, head cold. It's a good day to get some huggy on. Just put on your Ugg boots and wrap yourself in blankets and light a, light a candle or two and listen to the Satellite Sisters. Oh, saying all that, it just almost makes me sleepy, Liz. Almost makes yeah. me sleepy. Well, get ready. I don't know how extensive your plans are for World Sleep Day 2017, but I am psyched. Uh, World Sleep Day, I'm sure you know, is this Friday, Lynn. Oh. <laughs> Friday, March March 17th. It's World Sleep Day. I, you know, this is a, a newish holiday for me, but I feel like I am in a position to totally embrace it this year. Uh, the um, Because sleep is sort of my new platform, I'm thinking. You know, the there are, and it is one of the prongs of Operation Sea Turtle that you get a good night's sleep. So, mm-hmm. did you know, according to the, let's see, World Sleep Day website, where um, super boring. So, if you want to go to sleep, that would be a good place to spend some time. <laughs> <laughs> Their slogan here you go, here's a snore sleep soundly, nurture life. Oh, wow. That- Snooze that could fest. use some work. Yeah. I think the people are snoozing. <laughs> the slogan committee, snoozing. Uh, but sound sleep is one of the three pillars of good health, along with a balanced diet and regular exercise. So we know that's totally true. You've gone whole years without sleeping, yes. I believe, and when your children were young. And we were working on the radio, and we had early yes. hours, and the kids didn't sleep. And, you know, it's really bad to be without sleep. 
like for yeah. years at a time. I, it, I, I felt unsafe, you know, some days like I didn't want to drive the kids around in the afternoon because I was too tired. So I'm, I'm all for sleep, Liz. I'm all for sleep. Yeah. I think it's strange and, that they scheduled it on St. Patrick's Day. I'm not, ex- I'm not sure. Exactly. That, was, that again, was going to be my next recommendation. Oh, Maybe sorry. the day after St. Patrick's Day <laughs> is the day people really want to sleep in. You know, on a Friday, I, I'm just, I'm not sure that that was, was a good choice. I'm not sure what drove that. But, you know, there are many serious sleep orders, and uh, most of them are totally treatable. They, that would not be the case in, you know, if it's just young children who don't sleep keeping you up all night. I'm not sure that's, I'm, I'm not sure that's treatable, but there are 100 different sleep disorders and, uh, and people that don't get a good night's sleep. I know we've all read these articles. They have, um, higher rates of high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, and other chronic illnesses. So here's some good news. It's it's a pretty loose uh, organization here. Mm-hmm. I think you know, unlike the Louvre Museum Guards, who are right. so tightly organized, you can just sign up to be a delegate, Lee, and you could go to WorldSleepDay.com right now, and you could be a delegate. <laughs> uh, and and you get to just decide whatever your delegation is going to do. You can whatever your thing is. So uh, so I think I'm going to sign up, and I think I'm going to start by. Uh, Sleeping in, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> Can you I, sleep in though? See, I can't sleep in. I, I've never slept late in my whole life. Oh, really? No, I don't sleep in. I don't. I, don't I can sleep, sleep later. I, for me, because you know, I gave up that pesky job last yeah. summer and yeah. now have much more control of my schedule. Here's the thing that I've noticed: for me, the the ultimate luxury is not so much sleeping longer. Or sleeping later, yeah. My my body is totally awake by seven a.m. No matter no matter what. The thing I love the most is waking up at seven a.m., but not having to like get dressed and go run out of the house and start your day. Like I spend now the first hour or two of my day, you know, making coffee, making breakfast, reading the paper. To me, that's the ultimate luxury. Not like leaping out of bed and rushing to embrace the day. I'm easing into the day. I'm enjoying that. Uh, you know, and I know that's very rare for I, for my whole career or for anyone with kids, like the moment your eyes pop open, you just have stuff staring you in the face that right. you have. To. Right. So no, I'm, um, I'm in the, just, just give it a slow start camp now, which I really like. So the uh, the quality, three qualities of good good sleep, Leanne, it's the length, the continuity, and the depth. So length, obviously, you know, that's how many hours you're in bed. The continuity, this is the thing I still haven't figured out from my Fitbit. You know, your Fitbit tells you not only how many hours you've slept, but how whether you how many times you woke up and the restlessness. So you get that efficiency score that I talked about a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yeah, I have no idea what to make of that. Yeah, like what if I'm 91 percent efficient in the way I sleep? That sounds good. Right. But maybe you you have to have 95 percent to even continue to exist. No, maybe. No. So so I don't really know about that. Anyway, so uh, so I'm going to be a um, a delegate, uh, and as I said, I'm going to start my day slowly uh-huh. on Friday. 
But then I saw another news story that thought, okay, this is the way I am. This is what my delegation is going to do on Friday. I saw a news story all about how many hotels now are opening themselves up to short stays for napping. Really? Yes. This is the whole thing. Hang on. I printed out the thing. Uh, Where did I put it? Yes. So there's an app that was invented, you will not be surprised to know, in France. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You can actually make a reservation to go into a hotel just for two, three, four hours. You know, I'm sure there are some nefarious applications of that. Yeah. What if you just sort of took it upon yourself to start napping around? Just start, like, maybe maybe every Friday. Just go nap somewhere new. Uh, just Or maybe you can afford to nap in a hotel you could never afford to actually stay overnight in. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So... So, so that, thinking, can, that you can become a delegate to, na- I, I don't know, Liz, aren't you supposed to rally people to be a delegate, take a strong stand? <laughs> what is, Leanne, sure. it says on the website, you can just declare whatever your action is. Okay. So if you want to rally people, be, I just don't think people, the pro-sleep people are the rally types. No. <laughs> I think pro-sleep, it's sort of every man for himself. So that that's what I'm going to do. You can do what you want. If you would like to rally be my guest no i will no. just be uh getting up drinking coffee and reading the paper for the rest of the morning mm-hmm. then napping in the afternoon that's my... at a hotel are you really gonna try a hotel haven't <laughs> <laughs> you stayed in enough hotels in your life i know uh, yeah i it's not it's not that appealing except that it just would be funny to do it's kind just... of funny yeah See, I don't nap, so nothing about this sounds doable for me. I don't, I don't nap. I don't sleep in. Like you know, I get my six or seven hours at night now, and then, then I'm up. Then I'm awake. Then I, then I do what I need to do for the rest of my day. So uh, I think this is a holiday that's going to pass me by. Although I do believe in sleep, so I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that you're embracing it, Liz. World, world sleep day. Yeah, world sleep day. I think it's, I think it's my thing. They should just. I do recommend though a better slogan and moving it to a Saturday so people can really, really throw themselves yeah. into it. You know, <laughs> it's sort of, it's a luxury to be able to do it on a Friday, but Saturday you can get a lot more. Maybe that's what my delegation will do next year is like some kind of overnight Friday night into the Saturday morning. Okay. So happy, happy world sleep day. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. Um, how is operation sea turtle going? Is that, is that okay? Well, this is Operation Sea Turtle, the environmental control edition, Leanne, okay. because there were a couple, a couple of challenges with Operation Sea Turtle over the past 24 hours. Uh, first, I sustained a major injury at my book club. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. How is, wow, That's, what happened? Which was, which was in my home. Oh, no. Uh, so, yeah, this was unfortunate. The book club meeting was at my home last night. And, you know, people come over at eight and we sit and eat dinner and we talk about the book. So there were, you know, seven of us around the table. But for me to have seven people at the table, I do have to like pull in furniture from other places. I don't have like a big, you know, table for 10 kind of thing. So that little folding bamboo bench I have in the corner of my uh, sort of entry area where I throw all of my crap, that became... The thing that I needed to sit on last night, but because I had moved it into a place where it never is, 
I hit my foot on my own piece of furniture so hard that halfway through my book club, I had to limp into the kitchen and get an ice pack. And by the time people went home, I could barely get up from that bench to say goodbye. Oh my so, gosh, Liz. So my, my foot today is completely black and blue and it's a little bit hard to get around. So, so that puts a crimp in the like walking plan, right? Yeah. Uh, luckily the, uh, Tana on Tuesday nights is one of the nights where the local, uh, college pool has deep water aerobics on Tuesday night. So I think tonight will be a swim night because today won't be a walk day. But the main challenge to Operation Sea Turtle, when you have a lot of people over for dinner and they bring a lot of food. I know. Yeah. Is I the know. environmental control at yeah. the end of the meal right. to force everyone to take their food home. Yeah. And, and they think they're being really nice. Like, oh, yeah, no, the poppy seed cake, you take the rest. This delicious leek tart. Oh, you know, I want to leave this for you. And, you know, there are only so many ways you can say, please take yeah, it. Yeah, just take it. Do not yeah. leave that in my home. Because I don't want to throw away all that food, which is what I'm going to have to do if they leave the leek tart, the poppy seed cake, and the half a bag of cookies. Do not leave that behind. Yeah. So I think maybe some of my book club members thought I was a little desperate at the end of the meal, like forcing them to take their stuff. But I knew that was going to be important because, you know, left alone with all this kind of, it's not even like I'm a, the poppy seed cake. I could have easily put down the disposal, but the leek tart was yeah. that, that would have been appealing, you know, even for <laughs> breakfast this morning, I would have gone all in on the leek tart. So the, the just applying the environmental control to send the food home, uh, that's what I did last night. So I would call it a success, but I really had to, you know, I had to force it into the hands of my book club members. Sometimes so I, I do think there's a little passive aggressive nature in that food thing. Oh, really? I mean, I, I have noticed that when I hold, when I have events and people bring food un, unasked, you know, they just bring it and yeah, as a hospitable gesture, I guess, but then, then they won't take it back. And, and then they don't, they don't eat it. So it's just an, I think it's an odd thing. Like, I think because I entertain a lot uh, and I understand sort of putting together menus and I would never in a million years bring food to people's house. Like mm -hmm. that didn't ask me to specifically bring food. And if they mm -hmm. wanted me to take it back, I would take it back. Like if I brought it and cause I get it, I'm home alone. I don't, I don't need a yeah. dozen cupcakes, you know? I don't know. Exactly. I yeah. don't know why. So Sometimes I, I mean, this we're... is different because this was a bring your dish okay. for the meal kind of thing. So but I just think... because you bring it doesn't mean you have to leave it. Leave it. No, take yeah. it home. Yeah, take it home. I think that's totally fine. I think you were fine doing that. And I think it is smart because it does. Then it just you're going to eat it if it's in the house. So, uh, yes. Yeah, it's it's delicious. I mean, all of these women are good cooks. So everything they bring is good. Right. So anyway, so they went home and I was left only with my leftover uh grilled salmon. So oh that's okay to have in the house. <laughs> you know, I love the grilling of the salmon. Yeah. Would have been good with the leek tart. I bet that's, I know. that's it, a nice it was. combo. Yeah. And I allowed myself a little piece of the leek tart yeah. at dinner. Right. I just didn't need to eat the, like the two thirds that was left in the dish <laughs> like this morning for breakfast. I know. So, so there is, so I, I give myself points for like exercising the environmental control yeah. required to allow my life to be much easier today than it would have been, except for the foot injury. So it would have been a double setback if I had the foot injury and the leak tart. Right? Do you think you broke something? 
No. Okay. I don't know. Just a deep It seems to be more of a soft tissue inflammatory thing. All right. But, you know, when you go to bed with the ice bag on your foot and then you wake up in the middle of the night and, yeah, that's throbbing. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry. I saw you yesterday. We had a meeting together yesterday. You were walking fine. You were walking just fine. I know. We did have a fun meeting yesterday. Leah and I are be are had a fun meeting with people who work on the Olympics, and the whole time we're like, "Why are they even meeting with us? This is great." <laughs> <laughs> but it was really fun. <laughs> it was a good meeting, and we had a pre-meeting at the Crate and Barrel across the street, which was even more fun. I purposely chose the location for the meeting so it would be across the street from Crate and Barrel because Leon and I each needed a few things there. So I got that those was good. Bowls. I went back and got the bowls list. They're very nice. I used them last night. Used them last night. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of athletics, I have a little athletic block here. Some, you know, some big things happening now, but I don't know if you saw this story, Liz. Uh, last week, a surfer, a big wave surfer named Chris Burdish, he became the first person to paddleboard across the Atlantic. Okay. He, he really solo traveled from Morocco to Antigua in 93 days. And it took him an estimated 2 million strokes to get his custom paddleboard across the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, how nuts is that? Like, that's an incredible physical feat. Don't you think? Now, when you say paddleboard, that means he's standing up on a paddleboard? Yes. With an oar? Yes. So he had... Across the Atlantic Ocean? Yes, Liz. Yeah. It's exactly what I mean. 2 million strokes. Okay, no, no. I mean, there's a motor on the paddleboard, but he didn't use it. It's a special custom built board, which is 20 feet in length and it weighed about 1300 pounds. So uh, it's pretty, pretty heavy to paddle, but it's pretty light compared to other boats that have done Atlantic crossings. And Mm -hmm. it was designed by a guy who designs boats for the British Navy. And so there's actually a little on the front of the board, imagine the first five feet of the board is a little like a uh, place where he can sleep. It's covered in everything, oh. a little hatch thing. We can sleep and has all his electronic equipment and his clothes and everything. And then the remaining 15 feet, he's just sort of standing up paddling. So, I mean, wow, that is unbelievable. Wow. Isn't it? I mean, I know there was that woman who rode across the Atlantic, right? Um, which seems really hard, but I don't know, at least you're sitting down. Yeah, no, I, so this, yeah, he, he had like a radar device, a sat phone. He had 10 liters of water for each of his 90 days. So that's pretty much what took up like the bulk of the boat. But he said he was basically tossed around on the waves like a cork. (laughs) And then he said, it's unbelievable. And he said, I pretty much felt like I was sinking the entire trip. So that's... (laughs) So that's got to wow. be good. Uh, tell me again how many days it took him? 93 90? days. 90, so three months. It took him three months. So he's South African and and uh, and he's donating. He was sponsored and then, you know, people pledged and all the monies that he collected are going to be donated to charities that help children in South Africa. But, I mean, that is unbelievable, isn't it? I you know, say. I really admire people that do something like this. But you just have to be slightly nutty. It just is fascinating to me that this happens so often, that people just think up some random, crazy hard thing that they just must accomplish in their life. Yeah. Well, this guy, speaking of of crazy, he's a big wave surfer. 
So one of those, those huge giant super yeah. waves. So those guys are crazy because they could die every time they go out there. So they are a touch of crazy. And yeah, they just have a different gene than the rest of us. So good for him. He raised $6 million for those charities. So that's good. Wow, that's fantastic. All right. Also, March Madness happening. Just shout out to the UConn women's basketball team. They're going for their fifth straight NCAA title, and it will be a 12th title overall. But Liz, they, they passed 100 straight games winning, uh, winning streak. It's unbelievable. You know, I, I know they're the they they're dominant, obviously in their sports. But even that, like, you could have one bad game. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not hard to lose one game. Like, to yeah. win a hundred games, over a hundred games in a row, that's nuts. Like, they finished the season thirty-two and zero. They're headed off into March Madness. I don't know, it just takes an extraordinary you know, character of, of a team and a coach to make that happen day in, day out. Because, I mean, let's face it, we have bad shows. Everyone has a bad day at the office. Yeah. People have a bad day parenting. You go, you work out. I managed out. to hurt myself at my book club. So, like, how people don't <laughs> hurt themselves in, like, big-time basketball. Injuries can cause you to lose a game. <laughs> so. I would also say that part of the reason I love this UConn story is because we're Connecticut, we're from Connecticut and Connecticut is not exactly the land of the sports dynasties. No. You know, we don't really have a lot of, you know, professional sports happening. So the fact that these women have been so great for so long from the university of Connecticut, that makes me happy. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, good luck to the Yukon Huskies and to everybody that's playing them and to all the women playing at March madness and all the men. I hope you make it to Buffalo wherever you need to be. Uh, <laughs> wherever going. of course on the men's side rooting for UCLA, but also have my eye on Gonzaga, uh, pack pack 12, pack 12 all the way. Oh. Liz on the men's side. Um, Have you filled out an actual bracket? No, I'm going to fill it out. I'm going to fill it out like after this. I, I should, mm-hmm. you know, we used to have a big Satellite Sisters pool. And of course, John yeah. Ramos won every year. And uh, so, so, but, um, you know, now it's when you fill out your bracket like alone for no reason, it's not that fun. Much fun. <laughs> do one of those interactive, can't you win money on your internet there by, by winning at ESPN or something? I I don't know. It's just not that much fun. You know, with the boys around, we would fill it out, put it up on the refrigerator and stuff. It's just me and Steffi now. It's just, it's not that much fun. She doesn't care about basketball, Liz. It's not a fan. Oh, she doesn't. Okay. She's not a fan. Okay, and then the last sports story uh, of the winter, I've been following along uh, the U.S. skier, Michaela Schifrin. Now, I know we don't follow, most people don't follow alpine skiing other than Olympic years, but she is killing it on the world tour this year. So she has four more races. She's way out in, in advance, ahead in the World Cup standings. And just a reminder, like there have only been four Americans that have ever won this, or she could be the fourth. Uh, so it's Lindsey Vaughn, Phil Mayer, Bodie Miller, and she could be the fourth. So she has a couple more races. You can catch them on NBC Sports. She just wins everything. Even when this weekend she uh-huh. had a terrible race, and she still won. So she is as dominant in her sport this season as the UConn women are. And she, what I, what I find interesting about Michaela Schifrin is that, um, she had a completely, um, 
unusual background. Like her, you know, from a very early age, her parents decided she and her brother were going to be ski racers. And they, they lived in like Vermont or New Hampshire or something like that. Um, but they homeschooled. They took her to Europe. It was completely unconventional, I guess, is what it was. Like there's a way that American skiers get groomed. And she did like the opposite of everything American skiers usually do. So I'm always intrigued by athletes like that. Yeah. That, you know, it's kind of like the Tiger Woods method. You know, mm-hmm. it can backfire if they don't happen to have the talent. But when it works, it, it can work spectacularly well. And so, you know, she's an interesting person. And at 22, she's on the top of her sport. And she's she, it's fun. it's great to watch her ski. She's a beautiful skier. So tune in this weekend, okay. next four weekends. All right. Uh, Michaela Schiffen. One last sports thing. I was reading about they just renewed some kind of broadcast license for the World Drone Racing League. Oh, Leanne. And I just thought, I can't believe your sons haven't taken that up yet. That seems like right up their alley. It does. You know, the drone racing. And we were, I know that your favorite line from this past weekend's uh, episode of Madam Secretary was when, what's his name, talking about how everybody loves a drone, right? Everybody wants their own drone. It's yeah. true. Russell, everybody and their grandmother loves a drone. Yeah. And Liz, so, special guest star on Madam Secretary Recap this week because Julie's not feeling well. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, yeah. This, I'm going to do my best. Yeah. I hope you've been uh, boning up on this, on, on this, uh, what's happening in the South China Sea because usually, um, usually Julie, Julie has to covers explain that. that to us every yeah. week. <laughs> okay. There are a lot of storylines around the South China Sea. It's still confusing to me. I'm so. still hung up on why Henry, who I thought was undercover with the CIA, is on a domestic operation. Yeah, Liz, so. he's changed. Yeah, he's he's okay, changed. Okay, I missed that. He, you know, he just freelances for a variety of different um, agencies there. Sometimes okay. it's CSA, sometimes it's NSA, some, okay. you know, yeah. all under the cover of a religion professor. He's very busy. Yeah. Very busy, yes. Liz. Very okay. busy. Sometimes he's just tinkering with his microwave and we don't know on on whose behalf. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to being being a special guest star on the uh, Madam Secretary recap this week. So, um, all right. A couple of other things on the Facebook group that I did want to mention. First of all, did you feel an earthquake this morning, Leanne? I did not, Liz. Well, apparently uh, Wendy in Rancho Cucamonga did. And because that's not too far from you, a little bit further from me. You know, she commented earthquake on uh, on Facebook. So I didn't feel it either, Wendy. So uh, thank you for the notification. Um, Lynn posted for us the video of Jason Brown, Celtic Thunder, his oh. skating. <laughs> Lord of the Dance. Oh, my God. I had not seen that, Lynn. Thank you. Have you had a chance to watch it yet, Lynn? I haven't, but I'm looking forward to it. He is a dynamic skater. So. Okay. It's, it's insane. And, you know, the way the note said, make sure to watch to the very end, I thought, okay, something hilarious is going to happen at the end. Well, no, spoiler alert, it doesn't. He's just fantastic. <laughs> so thank you, Lynn, for that. And Jennifer and Lee both posted the news that I wanted to hear, which is that Bodie McBoatface (laughs) is out in action. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, there was the big, you know, to-do that you can't name a real uh, ship, Bodie McBoatface, so they gave it some other kind of name. Yeah, I thought they gave it a real name. I didn't think it was officially Bodie McBoatface. But they knew that the people had spoken, Leanne. The people wanted 
some kind of craft named Bodie McBoatface. So they used the name on a new robot submarine that right now is just going under the ice in Antarctica. So if, uh, so Bodie McBoatface, so, you know, it's a submarine. I don't know if that counts as a boat, but whatever. I just appreciated the fact that. It's a vessel, Liz. I think in the marine, it's a vessel. Oh, yeah. Okay. That the vessel Bodie McBoatface is out there um, doing some important science for us. And so we still have Bodie in our lives. That's the important thing to me (laughs) is that occasionally Bodie will surface both uh, in the water and in the news. And we can all just laugh again at the name Bodie McBoatface. It was funny. It's funny. Still funny. It's like that video. It's like the BBC video. Every time you watch it, you laugh. You laugh more. <laughs> it does not get old. Neither does Bodie McBoatface. Uh, okay, event recap. April twenty second. You getting psyched? Yeah, yeah. No, I am getting psyched. I have a lot to do between now and April twenty second. I have a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of things happening. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the event. Oh, Liz, exciting news about the Santa Monica event. You know, we've been talking about away luggage, uh, the the great yes. bags that I'm uh, that I've been using, and uh, away is giving away a bag at our event. We are we are giving away an away carry on there, and that's very exciting news. So there will be more details, but you're going to get one of those nifty away carry ons if you're there. We haven't that's actually great. determined. I guess raffle tickets. What? What? Yeah, we'll have to figure out some okay. kind of. Okay, we have we have more than a month to figure that out. But yeah. good point. We have to have a process. Yeah, and there will be gifts inside the away bag. Right. So maybe we'll announce those closer to the event. But you know, we've got some some stuff you're going to want. Yeah. That will be in the bag. Yeah. So I'm sorry for those of you that can't make it that you won't be in the room. You have to be present to win. Right. Uh, but uh. Uh, for those of you who are present, that will be fun. And for those of you who aren't, we are going to figure out some way to Facebook Live it or something. We just haven't really had a chance to apply ourselves to that yet. But, you know, Facebook Live, don't we just need to get someone to hold up their phone, Leanne? Isn't I it, think that's it, it Liz. Yeah. That when I went to Pod Fusion and Pod Fest, they just kept saying, it's so easy. It's so easy You just to hold up your phone. Like, you don't don't overthink it. So, yeah. Uh, we just have to designate a Facebook Live phone holder upper. So, right. I um, just don't want it to be one of the five of us. No. You know, so that so so we're working on that. You want to get someone who's going to really pay attention. Uh, and the other thing I want to mention about that weekend, people are commenting on other things they want to do in and around Santa Monica, which is great. Or you know, go buy one of those great Ruth Bader Ginsburg mugs at your friend's store. Just FYI, Pasadena is a long way from Santa Monica. So right. you might not want to go all the way to Pasadena to buy a uh, coffee mug um, that you can buy online. But there is the LA Times Festival of Books going on. So if you're around during the day Sunday, our our stuff is Saturday, and you're in Santa Monica, the great new expo line from Santa Monica could take you right to the Festival of Books on the USC campus. So I know many, many of our listeners are also serious readers. It's just something, it's it's a really fun thing to wander around, see all the books and the authors. So I throw that out there. We'll put the um, the link to the book festival schedule in our show notes 
for today. Yeah, it's the book festival is free, but you do have to get tickets to see specific authors, and those mm-hmm. need to be done ahead of time. Again, the tickets are free, but you need to you need to actually be ticketed. You can wander around the book festival, but to see some of the author panels, you need to be ticketed. But there's a lot of great stuff in Santa Monica too. Beautiful museums. You're right on the beach. Uh, so if you don't make it to the book festival, there's plenty of other lovely things to do. Now we had a lot of questions about how to get from LAX to Santa Monica without taking taxi taxi what what did monica i haven't listened re-listened to that what did, was that the world's worst taxi drive is that why people are now terrified of taxi taxi yes and okay. uh that was the new to you show that i posted last weekend it was one time where monica was here staying with me and remember this was before uber and lyft or any of that was invented so she was going from my place in Santa Monica to the airport, which is normally a 20-minute drive and not an expensive cab ride. Uh, but her taxi taxi, the guy just had a lot of other things he needed to accomplish during the trip. You know, he needed to change cars. He needed to get gas. It's very funny the way Monica tells it. And, of course, she blames the whole thing on me because I recommended taxi time. So. <laughs> Okay, sounds fun. <laughs> it's worth the the new to you shows. Some of the shows that we post there are actual episodes of when we were on the radio, which used to be every day. So sometimes you get like you know full episodes of when we were on the radio. Other times you get just way earlier podcasts because we you know we're on the tenth anniversary of podcasting for us, which is I think pretty cool. Every time I remind myself of that, you know I know we joked about the term podcast pioneer, but. It applies. It applies here. Um, Liz, I have two other things I wanted to mention. Um, Saturday, March 25th, I'll be speaking uh, to the women of the South Bay Panhellenic Organization. It's a fundraising luncheon for young women going to college. That is open to the public. Tickets are still available. It's at the beautiful Las Verdes Golf Club. And uh, that's Saturday, March 25th. I will put um, a link on my Facebook author page. It's in the events section there. So if you were interested in that, um, you can get the information on my Facebook author page. And then uh, tomorrow night, Liz, once again, uh, as I often do, I'm lecturing at Caltech. Uh, I am doing- you, are, you are. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, someday I'm going to put that on my resume, just like you can put delegate World Sleep Day. I'm going to put <laughs> lecturer California Institute of Technology. What's your subject? No, I'm no. going, uh, you're the best. I'm going to speak to the Caltech Women's Club, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. But I just like that it's a Caltech. And then they've upped the stakes, like, oh, you know, so it's people with PhDs, Liz. And it's yeah. just, I, I, have, I haven't spoken in a while in public. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, man, I better think about what I'm going to say to the people at Caltech. <laughs> I got re- to review some documents. I got to review some documents, Liz. <laughs> Okay. okay. So, I, so that confident. is not open to the public, but I'm just sharing that news, lecturing at Caltech. So, okay. But the Santa Monica one is. So there you have it. All right. Uh, and two other just quickie social media things that I was celebrating uh, over the weekend. Number one, I, I posted my picture of my new Mr. Coffee. I know I talked about this last week on the podcast, Leanne. Yeah. Uh, but Sunday morning, the first day of daylight savings time, I had my my vintage Mr. Coffee and the mug you gave me, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg mug together. Yeah. And I posted it on the Satellite Sisters Twitter feed and also on my personal Twitter feed. Guess who I got a note back from? Mr. Coffee. Mr. Mr. (laughs) Coffee himself got back to me. So how about that? And I was feeling like, 
Well, you're not going to ever do any better than that. If no. Mr. Coffee likes your tweet about coffee, like that's the top. But no, then we had done some stuff about Madam Secretary. And last week on the recap, you and Julie recommended that no matter what Daisy does with the rest of her life, she should stop dating men at the office, you know, because right. the latest one, the latest one died. Yeah, and poison. so it just, it just seemed like a sign to you guys that she should stop. Well, we had, um, we had posted about that on, we had tweeted about that. And you know who liked that tweet? Patina Miller. Who is she? She plays Daisy. On All the right. Show. Oh, that's exciting. That's great. Oh, I love that. That's fun. That's fun. She's so talented. And she was wearing that great Diane von Verstenberg wrap dress this week, Liz, on the show. So good. that's good. So wow, if Mr. You follow- Coffee and Patina Miller in one week. That's that, a lot. That is a lot. So if you're not following us on Twitter, we're at Sat Sisters and I'm at SS Liz. You can go ahead and follow both of those. And I'm at Leon Dolan, and I still don't know what Julie's Twitter handle is. What is it, Liz? Is it <laughs> Sister it's Julie? At, at Julie Satsis. Okay. All right. There's some message discipline for you right there. Uh, <laughs> all different Twitter handles. But, hey, Jake, our personal feeds are our personal feeds, Liz. You can do whatever yeah. you want. Do whatever you want. I take it very personally. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we should get going. You have anything big going on? I mean, are you lecturing at Caltech, Liz, or anything? I am not. Okay. No, my big high-pressure thing is really the, the Madam Secretary recap yeah. with you. I hope you can live and up then, to it. Mm-hmm. Then World Sleep Day. Yeah. Okay. all right we're the satellite sisters you can always find out everything you need about the show at satellitesisters.com liz has been doing a very fine job with the post so really if there's anything you need uh liz liz has liz has you covered with a link we are on facebook we have a satellite sisters official page and then we have a group we'd love to see you in santa monica we'd just love to see you on social media uh liz have a fantastic week thank you leanne and don't forget call your satellite sister